With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Cricket is always worth celebrating. So Beer 52 are offering our listeners eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet for free. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com slash middle and just cover the $5.95 for the postage. Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members that they send a brand new case to every month. Every case has a different theme. Past themes have included beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea, and all over the USA and Europe. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine Ferment and a tasty snack. And if you do change your mind at any point, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. Just go to beer52.com slash middle to get your first case of eight beers for $5.95. That's the word beer, numbers 52.com slash middle. Cricket is back and in full swing. William Hill is the place to be for cricket punters this year with a suite of offers across all formats of the game, domestically and internationally. Check out all William Hill's in-play offers, along with all the latest odds and promotions at williamhill.com or on the free app. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to Middle Please Umpire. My name is Miles Jupp. I am joined... And I'm Mark Wood! Yes, I'm joined by a very interruptive, uh, but nevertheless, 95 mile an hour ashes when he first bowler, Mark Wood. Are you all right, Mark? I'm Mark Wood! (laughs) Sorry, just when we were talking before we came now, I just thought I would get that bit out. I was just so excited to see you again. Also, it's good to have a catchphrase. And for you, (laughs) for you in particular, I think that one really works. Do you know what I mean? Mm. If, if other people... You, Will you try it? I'm Mark Wood. No, I don't... Uh, yeah. Mm. I'm Johnny Bairstow. I'm, um, I'm James Vince. I'm not... It doesn't really... I don't know why it doesn't... I don't know why it doesn't work for me. Oh, what a cover drive that man's got. I've been bowling, like, watching him in the nets and watching the lads bowl him. What a cover drive he's got. Keep those hands. Some play, I still kind of believe he hasn't played more. Unbelievable. Well, but take it up with the management, not me, Mark. I have so much less influence than you imagine in these uh, in these matters. Are you not the... 
the new ECB top guy? Uh, no, but I would have. Is there, are they looking for one at the moment? Probably. Well, apparently they've been listening to the podcast and they, and they think that your knowledge are right up there. Right. I've I've had very. I have been inside the offices of the ECB. Have they got like sort of is it like walking into a football dressing room where they've got like the stickers on the wall? And they move, like, for fields and stuff. They have, like, three slips and a gun no. and they move them around. Weirdly, actually, it's more like a Malmaison hotel. And even the, even the free soaps sort of suggestive. <laughs> it's very strange. And welcome to this week's <laughs> Welcome to this week's, whatever it is. I, do you know what? A, a friend of mine, I was speaking to him today, he'd sent me a text that I ignored. Uh, and so he rang me with the same message. And that message was, the Dalai Lama... And, uh, yeah, he was going, I can't believe he didn't make more of the fact that Simon Taufel has the Dalai Lama's phone number. I know, that was incredible, wasn't it? Because it, because it only comes out in the um, popular item, Markwood Super Over. We didn't really have the chance to sort of dig down on it. So I don't know if he's ever had, I don't know if he's ever rung the number. My friend, mm. he said, I think I know why that is. It's because sometimes they play ODIs up at uh, Dharamsala. And that is where, um, of course, the Dalai Lama uh, has a corporate box, I think. Of course. Do we, do we just believe? I mean, could we not have called bullshit and said, well, come on, get him on the phone now during the Super Rover? Well, why don't we just ask... cut the Super Rover there and then? We should ask Nathan, the producer, to um, to get back in touch with Simon and say, really, <laughs> really great to meet you, obviously. Can you send me the Dalai Lama for Miles and Mark? Well, that's not very different from how we got Sam Mendes's email, was it? It's just you ring someone who yeah. knows them. That's what it works. That's how we got... I'm pretty sure we got Joe Root because you know him. That's how all of these podcasts work. So so basically, if we ran the Dalai Lama, you'd be like, hello, this is about something I've got to go. And I'm Mark Wood. I'm not sure. He may just hang the phone up straight away. And you'd get to say to him, what, so what was, what was your first cricket back? The Dalai Lama. And he'd say, actually, my gatting's coming for dinner. My gatting, I would cook my gatting, whatever will bring him most peace and happiness. I think he would have a very good effect on us, the Dalai Lama. He's clearly had a good effect on Simon Southall. He's really calmed him down, and I think he could do the same. <laughs> I think he could do the same thing with us, possibly. Anyway, it's worth trying. If we go to a what series is this? Three, three. It's question, question. Thank you. Uh, he's nodding. Oh, radio. Can you get into radio mode, Mark? Because you can't. The nods. Sorry, sorry. Three, three for three. Yes, it's series three. Uh, three, so three. So should we reach a series four? We should probably. I think. Is it unreasonable that? to say now in advance that the first guest will probably be the Dalai Lama? I don't think it's unreasonable. I think if, if, if you look at the way that we've been going, Susan Mendes, I mean, that nearly knocked me off my chair. Simon Telfer last week was a great guest, by the way. He was very interesting, wasn't he? I mean, I, I, I'd got my timings out, so I kind of imagine that you would have played more games or games with him in charge. But, of course, your arrival on the international scene as we discussed, prompted his immediate retirement. Well, he, he, I think, I wonder how he would have dealt with me, that's the thing. Because he mentioned how he dealt with Jimmy and some other, and other bullets, but I'm not sure how he would have dealt with me. Yes, he told us how he dealt with angry people, didn't he? Especially when I was falling over every ball. Yeah, I imagine, well, probably in the old days, he'd have probably just sort of kicked you further into the dust, but since he's become mates with the Dalai Lama, <laughs> he would, he's probably become slightly more <laughs> sort of empathetic, hasn't he? And he'd be more sympathetic to your plight and think, who am I? Who am I to kick Mark Wood into the, uh, into the uh, what do you call them? Into the footmarks. Um, now tell me, um, tell me how you're feeling in yourself, Mark. Uh, good, but slightly frustrated. Obviously, I, I haven't played uh, yet during the World Cup. Um, I felt pretty good going into the warm-up games, but obviously, um, I hurt myself in the New Zealand game, and then just been a bit frustrated. 
frustrating from them, but as a team, we've been literally amazing. We've looked on it straight away. It's been great to watch. Um, we've had decent support here as well. Actually, there's been a few sort of English fans in as well. So, um, it been red hot. I mean, Josh Butler last game. Josh Butler, Josh Butler, sorry, as you call him. Josh Butler, Josh Butler. Yep, he was phenomenal. I mean, in in the net when you watch him practice. So this is the game against um, Sri Lanka. He's just, yeah, he's just getting a hundred. Um, he, he doesn't actually slog it that much in the nets. Like he gets Collie to just throw him some, and he'll hit maybe twenty to thirty balls, just almost just standing up on the ball as if he's sort of um, practicing test matches, just cross seam white ball, and he just tries to hit everything as straight as he can. And then sort of later on, he'll do some range hitting or he'll, you know, he'll do some other stuff. But a strange thing I've noticed about Joss, which not many of the other batsmen do, is when he's facing the bowlers, he doesn't like like them to just keep bowling on a sort of battery type of like, the bowler walks back, his mark ball, next bowler walks back, ball. He likes to have a bit of time as if it's just almost a game. And I wonder if that sort of method works for him for to get him ready for the match where he like, you can hit it and then you have like your thought process to go through what you're going to do, where you're targeting, what the bowler might do. And he likes to hear the bowler's fields as well. So I wonder if that sort of process is, you know, if he's right on top of it at the minute and he's training well. So so what he does that the other people in the team don't do, you're saying, is uh, is to genuinely prepare properly. <laughs> it's it's actually quite frightening in the nets because you're like, you're bowling like the, the three lanes or whatever it is. And the bowler's obviously well always on, on one side. And the lads are crunching them. So you're running in, looking at the net on your right or your left as you're running in thinking, oh, please don't get in the way here. Like, Jace hit two at Dubai the other night. It went on the roof, onto the, um, like the, it looked like a, almost like a school or some sort of building. And he's whacked them out the net on, the, on top of the roof. I was thinking, wow. Um, yeah, we've been doing, of course, the Collie episode we mentioned the 21s. They have been going really well with the team as well. I watched a video of them. I watched the video on, it must have been on a social media feed. Did we give it like the right sort of notion? Like did you, did you, when you're watching it, was it like how we described or? I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't actually follow what was happening. It was, it was a sort of bit kind of Christopher Nolan, but I, because you <laughs> told me what happened, I sort of knew the, the sort of vaguely what was going on. What's the, what's the way back in though? Everyone, everyone looked like they were putting the effort in though. And that's really, that's that as a father, that's all I ask of you boys. Um, what what is the way back into the team for you? Is it are you waiting to get better? Of course, by now people will know how this story ends by the time this goes out. But are you waiting to get better? Or are you waiting for a, one of your colleagues to walk into sort of piano wire or, or, or whatever? <laughs> no, I think it's one. I've got to be fit and ready to go. So I've got to be. You know, it's no good being 60, 70, 80 percent fit. I have to be. You know, bowling above ninety mile an hour. It's not county cricket, is it, Mark? Yeah, I've got to be bowling ninety mile an hour. The tensity's got to be there. 94, 95. Exactly. Got to be accurate as well. It's no good just bowling fast but spraying all over. So I've got to feel where I'm in the in the battle, not actually thinking about running in and thinking, is my ankle going to hurt or is it not quite right? So firstly, it's getting to that sort of place where I'm available for selection. If, um, I mean, this is probably a, a two, two to three week injury that I've got. I've inflamed the capsule of my ankle joint. Right. I didn't. I didn't even know we had those. Or is that, only, is that something only you've got? No, we, we all have them. It's the. It's been described to me as the skin around the sausage meat. If you want, uh, I can picture it. Think about. Are you hungry? <laughs> that I can understand. Yeah, particularly for. Should I tell you something? When I was at university, we. Um, I worked. So I did a theology degree, and there was a a module, which I suppose could rhyme with a capsule in a poem. There was a module, and we went into hospitals. 
hung out with the chaplaincy team and they said, oh, you should, you know, it's useful to know what people are going through. Come and watch an operation. So we went to the sort of viewing gallery in an operating theatre and watched someone being operated on. I'd pass out, 100%. Really? Well, I'm going to watch you while I tell the story then. Basically, there was someone there, they're sort of covered in, I don't know, iodine or whatever, an enormous cut is made. Basically, all of their internal organs were removed and put on a kind of, a bit like those trays for watching Ted. Oh, my God, he's gone. He's gone. How much am I putting back? <laughs> Mark Wood looks genuinely sick. This is worse than you were bowling in. Where were you? Go, someone go and get Owen Morgan's hat. Mark Wood is about to be sick. I'll just pick my chair. Um, but okay, so so I t- anyway, and then and then to actually make the wound, they use this sort of thing that just sort of vibrates and creates heat rather than a knife. Anyway, so it's very as it's opening the flesh, it's very slightly cooking it. Although we were behind glass, lots of people are going, "Oh, look at that! That's extraordinary. What's that? Is that a spleen? Is that a liver?" I just thought that really smells a lot like sausages. <laughs> that that was the first thing that struck me. So actually, you describing your injury, it's, it's gone full circle. It's taken me back to uh, being in a sort of viewing gallery in the Royal Infirmary in Edinburgh, which is flats now, like everything. Yeah, that's it, Miles. Keep it light. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we going to do about Sudan, Mark? <laughs> no, no. I've basically had, I've inflamed that joint where the capsule is. I've had it injected, and it's something that should take, you know, two a couple of weeks, two or three weeks. And I'm trying to get back within a week to two weeks. I'm, I'm scrambling a little bit trying to get it right for obviously the World Cup. I think my way back in the team is trying to firstly be fit. But if I'm performing really well, there's no easy way back in the team. So it'll be whether condition suits or the captain wants, you know, thinks that my instead of bowler might be good for that wicket or, you know, there's a particular... Well, at the moment, you could be getting you could be getting 12 overs a spin, couldn't you? Yeah, exactly. If and people bowl their full thing. And, and if that's, you know... You're a team person. You know what's best for the team. Exactly. But also, I know this is something you normally say to people whose company you tire of and they say they've got to nip out for something, but don't hurry back. I mean, you've got, it's a long winter. There's all that going on. I mean. I know, but you're still, you're still desperate to be part of a World Cup, aren't you? And win the World Cup, you want to contribute. So, you know, I'm trying my best to be part of the team at the minute. We're doing really well. It's, you know, it's, but ultimately, all trying to get the all 15, 18 of us here are all trying to get to that, you know, two World Cups. So I'm not, I'm not accusing you of being lazy, Mark. I'm just saying, you know, you've got, as you say, you've got to be, you've got to be a hundred percent. What, are, what have you been up to, Miles? Tell me what you've been up to. Um, I have, um, I've had an injection in my ankle, um, <laughs> uh, which smelled of no. I had, um, I, uh, I've been working. I know that sounds unlikely, but I've been, yes, I've been going up to Glasgow to do, I do a show called Frankie Boyle's New World Order uh, with my friend Frankie Boyle. So I've been going up doing that. Is he a left arm wrist spinner? Lots of googlies, maybe the odds, the one that skids that's on. That's right. He, he, he is. He is. And I think it is, that's because actually he comes off quite a long run up. I mean, there are those people that, you know, sort of Shane Warne, obviously wrist, wrist spinner as well as like, like Frankie, you know, we're just coming off a few and then send it down. But he's actually got a surprisingly long run up, which in a way, gives you slightly more time to think than you want to. And then, so it's given you a bit more time to think than you would like to normally in terms of instincts, and then it really does hurry on to you. But he, Has Tony so, Bell got a conventional action, or is it more Paul Adams-esque? No, it's, it's, very, it's very conventional. It's very, very, very high. It's very straight. Uh, and, you know, he likes to always make sure, like, his, um, the bicep just brushes the top of his ear, and it's just <laughs> high as possible, and long spells he likes, and he will set his own field. The captain, <laughs> the captain sometimes goes down to find. So have, you, have you been enjoying this show anyway? I've, I've been absolutely loving it. We've had some very, very funny people have been on. I mean, I sit there and uh, and laugh. I mean, I contribute, I speak as well, but I also. In... And have you told them about middle please on there? No, but I could. Um, wow. Hey, hey, 
just right one calm down two i've got several more episodes and it's about just approaching but have you rung hugh laurie yet <laughs> no. no well there you go here's you haranguing me uh, about frankie um no I, but i will ask him uh particularly on the basis that he knows absolutely nothing about cricket maybe i think as ever with frankie it's a it's an if, if the dalai lama says no uh then... <laughs> <laughs> tell you what joss has done to his gloves this uh, this is an exclusive because he i was telling him when he when he went out about him against sri lanka i was saying him i hope you wore them gloves when you got your hundred he's wrote on each one of his gloves Normally, batsmen, you know, it'll be... He's written left and right. <laughs> Normally, it'll be like one, two, three, four, whatever pairs of gloves. Sometimes A, B, C, D, obviously. Joss has decided to go with De Bruyne, Ramos, Shira. Um, who else has he got on? But he's, he's picked all, I think, his favourite football. Ch- Chucky McClare? <laughs> not quite. Not, not Chucky McClare or Brian McClare. No, Dick, Dixie McClare's Dean. Quite well. <laughs> no, Give it to Dixie. But, uh, <laughs> but uh Ali yeah, McCoy. So, so when we're running out the pair of gloves, um I was desperate for him to get his hundred in the Shearers just maybe to, to give it the Shearer celebration, but um yeah well, I'm I'm not sure which one to be in. Well I'm that's I'm I'm glad you interrupted my uh my musings on various panel shows I've been doing to to bigger set. I yeah, because um I suddenly thought the other day I was sitting down in one and I thought they're all this you get there, you travel all the way there, and you sit in the armchair. You think, what's, what's this one about? And someone comes in and goes, uh, "Do you want to know? Uh, do you want a briefing for the show? Do you remember how it all works?" Yes, yes, I've been on it several times before. And then this thing starts. You think, I hope this bit when they explain the rules of each round as it happens, because I've not. <laughs> do, do you have to go into it straight away? Well, the thing is, you can't say, "Sorry, can you explain how this works before it starts?" Because people have repeatedly tried to explain how it works, and I've repeatedly says, "Yes, yes, yeah." A bit like you going out to to face in the, in the last last the dying out moments of the World Cup final game. Yes, don't worry, I know what to do. And then thinking, oh, what am I meant to do again? Well I've been I've been on um question of sport a few times and I find like when when you sit down in the chat so obviously you get introduced on you all sit together. But when you're when you're sat in the seat, they're like, right, first question, picture board. And you're like, oh my God, what, like this is starting straight away. Like yeah. No, they do. They do. They sort of crack on with it. Yeah, and it's almost like yeah, put off. Also, because they've got the warm-up man, haven't they? The hype man. He's got the audience to the point where they're ready for it to start. So when it starts, it's simply got to start. I would. I know we've talked about how disastrous it was when I went on Celebrity Mastermind, but that that thing when it, it's really happening. That, oh, it is this chair. It is that music. It is that spotlight. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, it's an absolutely sick-making feeling. No wonder I often think I have so many anxiety dreams. Do you not think that you start thinking about that you're thinking rather than just because you're like, oh my God, we're straight in, like, oh, oh I've got to switch on here, rather than like... Yeah, you think I'm actually here. To start with. I'm actually here. <laughs> Do you think that? Do you get to the top of your mark thing? You think, I'm in a, <laughs> I'm in a test match. I oh, look at this. It looks... Ooh, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't Lords look just like it does on the television? This is unbelievable. Um, yeah. I start getting anxiety. Or oh, doesn't the batsman look really far away? Or oh, no? Yeah, I have seen that guy. I've seen that guy. I've seen that guy on telly. It's um. Oh no, I'm not wearing my box. Oh no, I've... oh no, that's a dream. Sorry, sorry, I've got it in a dream mode I'm like, again. Just, I'm like they're making me do PE in my pants again. Um, I <laughs> uh, this morning I was watching South Africa versus Bangladesh, and I had to turn it off in the end because someone in the crowd or a road outside had some sort of honking device. And just get this noise just all the time. So Bangladesh were collapsing, probably because of the noise. And I just had to turn it off in the end. It made me, do you know what it made? And I don't say this often. It made me sort of nostalgic for the days of the Buvuzela. I thought, oh, I quite like that noise. That was that was sort of all right. This was just 
It was like someone had really annoyed an HGV driver, something that we've now specialised in Britain. He just was continually hammering on the thing. Uh, so it was a really so I don't know how that game ended. Sure, are you sure it was that? I wasn't. Was it not Michael Atherton's commentary? <laughs> oh, 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 that is <laughs> that is sick. I that thought, is sick. I making. thought that would get you going. I thought that would that, get you going. What an appalling remark! By the way, I love Athens people, so that's a joke. Yeah, yeah. It was um, no. It turned out actually. I, I um. I rang Sky and it turned You're really upset. You're really upset. I just don't know why you'd do this to someone that you consider a friend. It just seems it just seems odd. Anyway, no, we well, can do cheer it. You up. Should we get in the mailbag? Cheer you up. Let's get right into the mailbag. No, actually, I'll tell you why I was annoyed, because you um, stole the thunder from my Mark Nicholas joke. Because uh, he was genuinely, <laughs> he was, uh, he was genuinely um, commentating. Shall I tell you a quick story um, before we delve into the mailbag? <laughs> My my father is uh, is a clergyman, and as a consequently, in the same way that you know lots of cricketers, he knows lots of other ministers and, and vicars and things. And uh, some of them, is, of course, they're very you know as you'd expect, sort of um, gentle people, you know, very nice and pleasant and charming. And uh, he, had, he had one who was with his, he was in a car with his wife, his friend, and um, the car had a habit of slipping out of gear. And they were at some traffic lights. And then when the lights went green, she just couldn't get it into first. And it kept going. And she kind of thing. And the lights went back to red. They're like, okay, next time. Could you, I can't, just can't get it into first. And the lights went back again. And so four or five times, she was trying to do it. And then it just wouldn't it just wouldn't go. She couldn't get it into gear. And he was saying, it's all right. It will happen eventually. But behind them was a lorry. And eventually, the, the driver behind him, he just laid his, his hand on the horn and just held it down. Just presumably to intimidate for, for ages and she was going i can't do the night and he just they sat there trying to get the gear going for like two minutes he's just holding the horn down eventually he says don't worry i'll go and speak to the lorry driver uh and so he goes and he knocks on the window and he winds it down he goes um my wife's having real trouble with the gear stick um but i tell you what if you came and helped us try and get the car into gear um i could i could hold my hand on the horn for you if you'd like <laughs> And I think that's very gentle. That's proper passive, passive aggressive. Uh, what do you call it? Po- uh, passive aggression, but delivered delivered by a man wearing a dog collar is probably one of the <laughs> sort of most kind of mind altering things that can. Amen. Amen. Very good. <laughs> very good, Mark. Uh, Patre Domine Nostri. Various things that they say. Truth and love will always win. Uh, let's have a look in the mailbag. <laughs> hey. Mr. Postman, sorry, I thought we were introduced in a different way. Sorry. No, I think that's really no. Let's do that. Do please, please sing. Minimum of four verses. <laughs> <laughs> you love put me on the spot. Oh, do I? Well, it's about you know. I'm trying to get you in that sort of T20 mind frame. You can plan. You can plan all you like, but sometimes you've just got to. Yeah. Just got to change. You know what I mean? I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. That's right. Quickly do an impression of Silver Black. Oh, too slow. Mark, you've got to be ready. That could happen in any game. Hey, I like me to number one. <laughs> that's right. That's the Silverback who now manages Rangers. Um, OK, here we go. <laughs> Worst matches, this is on the subject of. Uh, this is from uh, Alex Not Hi, Mark and Miles. Uh, and the team behind the scenes. Not mentioned enough, I think. Uh, so well well played, Alex. Um, you may recall I am the man with the... <laughs> I do recall you... You may recall I am the man with the lucky Pepsi bottle with a sock in it from season one. Uh, since you've read my story, I have managed to score career best stats with the bat, currently averaging 47. To keep this lucky charm wow. going, very good. That is very good. To keep this lucky charm going next season, I would like to tell you of my worst ever away game. 
Uh, my team were playing a side called Gems, Gateshead Ethnic Minorities, with what can only be described as four actual cricketers, along with some mates of mine who turned up for a laugh. Turns out bowling 40 overs to a ruthless team who hit everything over the fence for six is not much fun. We spent more time looking for their ball than we did batting as they hit it repeatedly into the forest by Cow Corner. This was made worse when they ran five on numerous occasions by hitting it between the legs of my brother, who's a big fellow, who was feeling it slip, making him waddle continuously after the ball is forever ingrained in my friends' minds. It all culminated in my worst ever bowling figures. And if you're... <laughs> You'll be impressed by this one. It all culminated in my worst ever bowling figures. For your amusement, we lost by 419 runs in a 40-over <laughs> match. Wow. My friend Johnny, who had never played a match before, broke his phone as he didn't take it out of his pocket before batting, only to be hit high above the pads where the phone was residing. Fair to say, I have never managed to get my friends to play a game again. Uh, we're going to put this... There, oh, there it is. <laughs> put the scorecard there. MCC, 454 or 40. They, they, well, in fairness to them, they won the toss. It sounds like about first pitch. Um, <laughs> Monks eating CC, 37 all out <laughs> <laughs> they managed to bat for 14.3 overs though so that's good um, excellent thanks very much it's very nice to hear from you again I've never forgotten the phrase to this day I have no idea how the sock ended up <laughs> well he's turned into Raul Dravid he averages 47 he's good he's, he is the wall he is the, uh, the monk's the eating wall more painful injuries now uh, Paul Proctor I listened to episode 2 today and like always I laughed whilst I should have been working uh, the colors, thank you, Paul. Uh, interesting to know what you do for a job, of course, um, so that we can we can envisage this laughter in context. You know, the rest of the surgeons go, all right, mate, keep it down, perhaps. Um, <laughs> the correspondence regarding the guy whose testicle was wedged under his box brought back memories for me as well. I was once in an indoor net and never used to wear a box when batting on the basis the bowlers couldn't go full pelt with such a limited run-up. Unfortunately, I managed to miss this one delivery, which caught me straight in the right... <laughs> Caught me straight in the right nut. I went down. I went down like a sack of spuds. To this day, it feels bruised and sensitive. This happened about ten years ago. I would. Oh. <laughs> I, I would see someone. I really, I really would. There may, there may be a way out of this, um, this nightmare, this, uh, this, this testicular labyrinth of pain in which you find yourself. Uh, oh, here's on the subject of twelfth uh, man signals because we were discussing things like, for instance, how to signal your teammates that you'd like a Mintero bought out and so forth. Oh, and in fact, here it is. Um, this is from Graham Robson. Uh, I play in a team with my brother-in-law, Will Ramsey, at Burn CC near York, perhaps inspired by Miles' Mintero request. He always makes a point of eating an entire packet of jelly snacks throughout the game. I think Will doing the worm would make a fantastic <laughs> I think that is. I think that is quite appropriate. That would be an excellent idea. Um, from Char- this, is from, uh, this is from a young man called uh, Charles Dagnall. Hello, boys. As uh, I've, uh, I've played with Charles Dagnall, he did... He was very in that TMS T20 game. He was the one that kept kept going, getting balls, and saying, "Miles, you've got to run for one of them." <laughs> At one point, you've got to run for. He's one. a great lad. He's, He's really nice. Good and, you know, he's a fantastic pre- presenter as well. Yeah, it's good. Very good. Very good man. Um, hello, boys. He starts in uh, traditional Eva Herzegova fashion. Um, as a young, <laughs> as a young pro on the Warwickshire staff, I was asked to do twelfth man duties for England in the Saturday of the West Indies Test match at Edgebaston. Uh, alert and eager to help, but desperately hoping that they didn't require me to feel as it would have been shambolic. Alex Stewart started waving towards me. I responded with a wave to show I was ready to spring into action. He moved his hand across his face and then cupped his hand over his nose. I was vexed. I knew all the other possible signals, but this had me dumbfounded. 
This went on for two or three deliveries, and the wagon got more animated. Now the slips were starting to join him, cupping their hands over their noses and wafting their hands over their face. I was panicking. Could what Alec desperately needed and I couldn't find have an adverse bearing on this test match? The signals were now coming in rapid fire, and I couldn't hear the shouting at me due to the crowd. At the end of the over, I had to run on to see what piece of equipment he needed. We met. He looked up at me and could see I was in a bit of distress due to my lack of understanding. Calmly, he said, I want you to go back to the dressing room. In the inside pocket of my England blazer, there's a handkerchief. Could you bring it to me, please? <laughs> <laughs> with Alex Stewart from the 1920s. Uh, oh, of course. How on earth could I not have known that? Never once have I ever seen a cricketer ask for a handkerchief. <laughs> I, uh, I now had to locate his spot. It didn't take long, as among the bomb site of the changing area was a shrine of perfect order. All neat, trousers folded, blazer hung, shoes shined and tucked together under the bench. Inside the blazer pocket, a brilliant white and pressed cloth. Feeling pleased that I'd secured the item that somehow could assist England and they would have me to thank, I sprinted back out onto the field and handed it to Alec. Thank you, young man, he said with a smile. He removed his gloves and proceeded to blow his nose. England <laughs> lost by an innings in 93. <laughs> <laughs> As an aside, any other sportsman would have ejected the contents of the nostril a different way, but not Alec. That's <laughs> thanks, Charles. Great that is story. fantastic. Absolutely. Fantastic. Maybe, maybe so. Maybe it wasn't a handkerchief. Maybe it was a white flag. All right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what year would that have been then? Losing by an innings in '93 to the West. Oh, I'm not sure the brain functions in the way it used to. When '90? No, not was he even playing like '95? That was the West Indies series. Miles, that was five years old. Oh, yeah, of course you were. Yeah, yeah. God, that's a terrifying thought, isn't it? That makes me feel older than my balding head. Right. Um, <laughs> always happy to receive uh, letters in the mailbag on uh, other subjects, such as a different 12th man requests, uh, uh, the best and worst games you've played in, of course, cricketers that you've uh, encountered at petrol stations, uh, possibly during the recent crisis. Uh, Painful injuries. Uh, old ones, of course, were nicknames and uh, lucky charms. And um, cricketing teas, males cricketing teas, cricketing teas, cricketing teas. Uh, both the meal and just as a way of kind of just sort of injecting a little bit of sass into proceedings. Um, oh, he's a bit of a cricketing tease, that one. Uh, and uh, any another category based on any of our chat today, Mark? What about asking about? An umpire. We're called middle place umpire. Has, has anyone met Silla Black? Sorry, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, so, so what, what were you saying before I really interrupt? Um, if people could send in their best umpiring stories or anything, we're just having Simon Powerful on. I think it would be a good place to, to go if anyone's got any stories. I mean, we've got a few topics already. Just add the umpire and one in would be would be a nice change. I think. I would add to that also any other connections you know of umpires, test umpires, has to be test umpires and um, leaders of world faiths. <laughs> Hi, it's David Gower here. Uh, yes, it's me. Look, it's it's slightly embarrassing, but look, Mark and Miles, they've, they've forgotten the email address again. So look, if you've got any cricketing tales, stories, whatever it might be you want to send to them, please email them at middleplease at hotmail.com. Um, and if that's too much, well... Try Twitter or Instagram. Well, Woody, we should talk about the, the guests that we have uh, coming up on this episode of Middle Please Umpire uh, after the uh, uh, upcoming break. Perhaps you'd like to tell us a little bit about them? Um, well, I will give you... Why don't I give you a clue? Yeah. Just one? Yep. Um, oh, did she used to present Blind Date? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, but I like your figure. Surprise, surprise, I've backed myself into a corner here. No, uh, let's have a clue. Well, <laughs> 
<laughs> um, think um, a um, religious necklace. Um, a religious uh, star, David. <laughs> no, of course it is. Oh, cross, K cross, K cross. Correct, correct, K cross. I'd just like to take a moment to thank our founding sponsors, Cricketers Gin. Cricketers Gin is the perfect podcast partner, as this corker of a gin began its innings at the local village cricket club in Pinkney's Green, Berkshire. Over a G&T, the founders decided that this quintessential British game, along with the wild botanicals growing in abundance, deserved a bespoke gin of its own. Cricketers features milk thistle, wild marjoram and blackberries, amongst other botanicals, delivering a smooth juniper-forward gin. If pink is your preference, they also have a delicious raspberry-distilled pink gin. Please take a look at their website, cricketersgin.com, where you'll find a range of gin hampers too. Apply the code CRICKET and you'll receive a discount off your purchases. Cricketers, a small batch gin and a family-owned business. William Hill's safer gambling tools help you stay in control. You can set deposit limits, session reminders, and take timeouts whenever you need them. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly. William Hill, it's who you play with. Right, this week we have our no other than Kate Cross. Welcome, Crossy. Woody, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, were you in a very important game last night? Yeah, I was. I've actually seen two very important games this week. Uh, went to the Pakistan-India game last night and then saw you boys play on Saturday night at the Dubai International Stadium, which was pretty cool. So what was the better game? <laughs> <laughs> what for? Was it for atmosphere or for result? Oh, well, we'll start with result because you've got to give the right answer here, surely. Yeah, in terms of result, obviously I'm giving it you boys because you absolutely blew West Indies out of the water. Um but in terms of atmosphere, honestly, I've never experienced anything like the India-Pakistan game last night. It was mega. If you weren't quite paying attention and you were, say, talking to someone and then there was a massive cheer, you turn around thinking there's going to be a wicket or someone scored 100 and literally they've run a well-run two. Like, it was mental. <laughs> and just we got there for the warm-up as well and Virat walked out and you would think that the Queen had turned up. It was like the noise. <laughs> I've never heard anything like it. And there was only probably half a full stadium at that stage as well. So... It's just, it blew my mind how people rely so much and they're so emotional towards cricket. Because I think when you mm. play the game, you kind of, you know, you ride the wave, don't you? And you, you, you are involved, but I think you learn how to not get too high and not get too low. But these fans, like, it was just, everything was riding on this result. It was crazy. How early into the game did you call it? I mean, did you think very early on this is Pakistan's night? She was too busy trying the Mexican wave miles. Five, four, three, <laughs> yeah. she was up at the, at the back there. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't. It actually didn't catch on the Mexican wave. I need to do some work on that. Um, but no, at half time, I was with Ke- I was with Keaton as well. We thought one fifty was a decent score, especially having seen the game the night before, where fifty five was not a good score. Keaton Jennings, yeah, friend of this podcast, I'm guessing. Keaton, Keaton Jennings, yeah, no, beautiful drive from <laughs> Keaton Jennings, yeah. Oh, Keith, what a man. Got into the second innings and honestly, I did not know how the Indian bowlers were going to take wickets because there was just no way that Baba and Riz one were getting out last night. It was mad. It did look, I mean, that scoreline was amazing. Also, I suppose the sort of historical precedent, you know, for them to, uh, to do it in that way. I mean, it's the sort of emphatic nature of both those games. I mean, Woody, are you sort of wobbling around or are you, are you reasonable? I mean, were you well enough to bring the drinks on? <laughs> no, I wasn't actually. I was told to stay put. Ah, that is a shame because that is something you've always done. <laughs> it's run the drinks. <laughs> no, no, it's like, I, hadn't, I, hadn't finished, I hadn't finished the sentence. I hadn't finished the sentence. Like, it's something you've always done beautifully well. 
and with a smile on your face. You don't look like someone walking out there and shouting the batsman, I should be playing, by the way, not you or whatever. You know, you look there and you're jolly and it looks like, you know, someone's getting a water bottle brought out and they think, oh, that's good, it's Woody, this will sort of cheer me up or whatever. But you weren't even, you weren't allowed to do the water. I didn't need to do anything. I was just, I mean, I, I was probably as much use as Crossy tried to start the Mexican wave. It just wasn't getting good. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just going to have to just stick at it and hopefully it catches on. Hopefully it does catch on. I reckon actually Sam Billings did the most work of all the fielders that night, running on with the drinks every three balls, it felt like. Well, I was I was back in the in the hutch having to fill them up. My my role was the filler, and uh, I reckon I did I did quite a bit, like just because we we're, were getting wickets that much. It's an important role. It is exactly hydration, sweaty conditions. I, I'd like to say that I played just as major part as everyone else. Um, you know what I mean? It's team game. Yeah, absolutely is. But also, we should talk, Kate, really about the year that you've just had. It, I mean, is it fair to say this is your probably best? Best year ever as a professional cricketer. I know, like, obviously, when you break into the team or whatever, but really across all formats and in, indeed competitions, this has, you have had an amazing year, haven't you? Yeah, it's, it has. It's been incredible. And I've joked with like my mates and I said it feels like my breakout year and I've just turned 30, which is probably not how you're supposed to do it. I think you're going to do that when you're a bit younger. But um, yeah, it's been, I've had a bit of a tough journey with international cricket, to be, on, to be honest. Um, like, Woody will know, it, it just never goes the way that you think it's going to go when you're a kid and you like map out this journey of how you're going to play cricket for your country and um it's just not that easy so yeah this year has been I guess a bit more pleasing in that respect because I've had such a tough journey with it um but my, my biggest goal that I set myself this summer was just to enjoy it I knew there was so many things that were going to happen that would be historical like with the 100 we had the opening game as the Manchester Originals at the Oval and I just wanted to enjoy and take in every occasion that I had um and I feel like doing that almost took the pressure off myself to perform and it kind of happened anyway. So, yeah, it was one of those summers that you kind of, you're waiting for it to come crashing down. You, you know, <laughs> the form, form doesn't last forever. So I'm just kind of waiting for it to all come crashing down. Well, you sort of got up down, don't you, in your career? Like you, you think that it's just going to be a general upward curve and then you get to the point where you're smashing it or whatever. But actually you've gone up a little bit, you, you come down a couple, up, down, up, down. It's a bit like that. So um, for not what, I mean, my question would be about the 100 that you mentioned would be, I didn't get a chance to play in it. What, how actually good was it? Was it because it's, it's a totally different 2020? Yeah, but I don't know how. Like, the, I think it was different because of the occasion. And I'm speaking from a female cricketer's point of view as well. So this might be different if you spoke to one of the guys because you play in front of bigger crowds more often than we do. But that first night at the Oval, it was like we turned up to a cricket concert. And I don't know how else I can describe it. Obviously, um, Becky Hill was there playing some tunes. The like the crowd was in. It was so noisy. I've never, ever experienced anything like that in my life. Um, Hartley was bowling. And we had reviews for the first time as well in domestic women's cricket, which is scary. Um, Hartley hits one on the pad. And I'm, I'm only extra cover. I'm, Al, do you want to review that? And she's like, what? I was like, do you want to review it? Like seeing the timer going down on the scoreboard, it's like at seven, six, five. And she's like, I can't hear you, mate. <laughs> I was like, oh, never mind. Like, never mind. We don't need it. Um, but yeah, honestly, it was it was really, really, really good. I can't I can't speak highly enough about it. And we had to do a bit of a review about what was good, what was bad. And the only bad thing that I could come up with was as captain, I had to go and stand on the stage to do the toss. And I got mm. 10 minutes less warming up. And that's literally the only bad thing that I can say about it. I thought you just had the best kit. Like, what, what was the what was your um, sponsor? Uh, we were McCoy's. Strong crisp as well. What what would London Spirit have been? Uh, what what uh, crisp would you have been predicting, Mark? They were uh, Tyrrells. 
Tyrrells. Yeah. Marvellous, marvellous crisps, marvellous crisps. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad what you said about just thinking I've got to enjoy it because I, I have been banging on about this to Mark before. Something I, I've got this summer, I've watched loads of the women's game this summer and it's just the sort of joy that seems to be out there on the pitch. I find so infectious. And you all look, unless it's just theatre and you're like, let's... Oh, it's a nightmare. Let's just put smiles on, plus our smiles on our face <laughs> for the whole thing, and then and then it'll be all right. You just look, all of you as a team, so happy and seem to enjoy each other's success. And I I really love that. I find it really really inspiring to watch. And I, I please please tell me it's real or or, or carry on the charade. <laughs> you know what? We get a lot of feedback like that, saying that we always just look like we're enjoying it. And actually, we I remember we saw it might have been an Ashes promo that you boys did. For 2015, maybe it was all, it was the rise. Oh, no. no, it was the rise that you know with all the flames and everyone just looked. I think I say you were all miserable. <laughs> yeah, you were. You were all stern and really like game face. Oh no! And they wanted to create that with us, and we all stood there in front of this camera and we we're like, you know what, this isn't women's cricket. We're not. That's not kind of the atmosphere that we have when we play. We've probably a bit of a generational thing because we've come up. Like through our age groups, we've had to enjoy cricket because it's mostly been our hobby. It's never been a career option for a lot of us as kids. So I think there's probably an element of that in it as well. Um, but I, I don't know. We, I just said to the girls in that night at the 100, uh, that night at the Oval, when we were making history, we knew people were going to watch us, maybe out of curiosity, maybe out of actually wanting to watch the 100 because people just didn't know what was going to happen. But I just said, we're hist- like we are literally history makers tonight, regardless of the result we will go down in history. So take that in. And there was a lot of girls who'd never played on Sky, never played in front of more than probably 45 people at Chester Borton Hall. So sometimes I think with the women's game, you've got to kind of weigh up the relevance of what's important. Obviously, results are always important. Don't get me wrong. I love winning more than anyone. But, you know, there's just, that just felt more of like an occasion than mm. a game of cricket. Yeah. I was a sort of... Um... 100 sceptic, I suppose. And then I've got to the end of this summer, and one of the things that it's done for me, I now know all of the England women's cricket team as well as I feel I know the men's cricket team, not as well as I know Woody, obviously. But as, <laughs> do you know, because that's, I mean, that's that goes beyond most acceptable. Keep fighting the fight, brother. <laughs> <laughs> to me, all of the women's team, not just the England team now, loads of domestic players, are easily as recognisable to me as the men's team. And of course, that's not that's never been the case before. And that is something that will continue to grow. And that- Do you get recognised a lot, Crossy? Weirdly, I actually got recognised last night at the game. Someone said that they listened to my podcast and I was like, wow. Love that. that. Like, that's, that was bigger for me than even like they know that I opened the bowl in for the Manchester Reds. Really, that made it. Literally, I was like, come on, let's have a selfie. Come on, let's, let's <laughs> recognise this moment. <laughs> but I think that's what was so important about the 100 for the women was the visibility aspect of it. You know, being on the BBC, being religiously on Sky every day at 3pm. Um, it just gave people the chance to know that we play cricket, we work hard at it, and we, you know, we're all right at it. I think that's needlessly modest. Um, can you tell us a bit about your way into the game then? I mean, for where you are now, a, a colossus a bestriding so many formats and, uh, and indeed media platforms, Kate. Uh, in, in terms of your way, your way into the game then? You're from a very sporty family. I yeah, I am. And there's a reason I didn't take up football. I'm literally the worst with my feet. So you guys play football so much as well in warm-ups and we do. And everyone thinks I should be all right because my dad played football, but I'm so, so bad. So I was always going to play a sport that involved my hands rather than my feet. Um, 
But I was always influenced by the guys in my family. So it was my uncle, my dad, my brother, all... Well, my brother forced me to bowl at him in the back garden because I'm the youngest of three. So I was literally, you know, told what to do all the time. Never got to bat, always bowled. So that's why I'm a bowler. My brother's an opening bat and my sister's a wicket keeper. So like that's how it all worked in the back garden. Um, but yeah, I was just I was just a young kid, like anyone, who, who fell in love with the sport really early. And I think there's something about cricket that it kind of, it sucks you in. There's a community where you go down to your local cricket club, there's a community there who look after you, take you in. You know, I've got a million aunties and a million uncles who looked after me at weekends so that my mum and dad could have a bev at the cricket watching my brother play. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, I think I always felt really safe down at my cricket club, which was a massive part of cricket for me growing up because I was the only girl at my club. Um, and I think that safety also was involved with the lads that I grew up playing with because they always said, you're just a, you know, you're just another player in the team. You're not a girl, you're not Kate, you know, you get stuck in. So I think that was a really important part of my journey because I never felt like an outcast. Love that. That's another thing that gets stuck in. I love that. Yeah. Prove people wrong as well. How, how unique do you think that is? Have you spoken to other people you play with now that had a very different experience? I mean, that sounds, that sounds great, but is, is that universally how it is, do you suppose? I reckon for my generation of players and maybe a few, few years younger, that's everyone's story. You were the only girl. You wanted to prove a lot of people wrong. You got stick when you turned up to play because you were a girl and everyone thought that you, the team must have been short or something. And then you'd run through them and take wickets. And, you know, if I was old enough, I'd be sticking middle fingers up to everyone. But um, <laughs> I, think, I think now what our hope is, is that it's people's mums or sisters or aunties that get them into the game or they see a Tammy Beaumont on BBC scoring a 50 or Alice Capsey getting, you know, the youngest 50 scored by a woman at Lords, whatever that stupid stat was when she was 16. You know, we're hopeful that there's now going to be some female influence on the younger generations because of that visibility that is creeping into our game now. So my story is probably not unique, um, but hopefully the ones that are coming through now, it will change a little bit, change the the dynamic of how it all works. I think, I mean, I, well, I was going to say, I think it's an inevitability. I hope I hope it is. I think because on that, on, on that front, it's been so good for the game this year. What In terms of, like, say, the England men and England women's teams, do you think they could do more... Well, essentially more training together. Um, so, uh, for instance, you know, you could help Mark on his on his batting, for instance, because <laughs> I think I think you've got the chance and you've had the opportunity to raise your bat this summer slightly more often than Mark. And I think you could just do, I don't know if it's a confidence. And an ODI Pfeiffer. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'll tell you what, Woody, you, tell, you teach me how to bowl 95 miles an hour and I'll teach you my ramp shot. How's that? <laughs> got it. That's a deal. That's deal. a deal. Got it. In all seriousness, though, like these boys are so busy playing cricket. Like you are tour to tour to tour, aren't you? Really, you get very little time at home. Filling a lot of bottles of water and so forth. It's you know <laughs> hours, hours out of the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's what the hundred did generate a lot of that because the two teams, the men and the women's teams, were like centralised at a cricket ground, and training was like following on from each other. So Finney came and did some bowling with me. Carlos Brathwaite came and did a bit of hitting with some of the girls. You know, there was always the opportunity to dip in and out. Whereas with the the England teams, our schedules are probably so different. And so, like, if we're in Pakistan, the boys are in Australia. So it's just completely, yeah. you know, it probably wouldn't work. But I think there's definitely an element of there should be more of that. Mm. Even if it's 10, 15 minutes, it'd be, like, invaluable to have a chat with Woody about how he bowls in different conditions and with the red ball, with the white ball, that kind of thing. We sometimes do cross paths on, like... Um 
like if we're doing appearances together and stuff like that, because I know Crossy did one with Wooksy and she actually beat Wooksy. And uh, so like a target practice. He, um, does he talk about that? Because he still owes me those two coffees. <laughs> no, I bring think it, up, bring it up with him mate. today. I'll have to. I'll have to. <laughs> Watching a lot of the women's ODIs, it's a, it's a sort of, there's a different style of cricket, I suppose. And where you've got this thing where the men's game, a lot of just sort of, there's a bit less timing in it, I think, from a batting point of view, where you're, you're unlikely, if you're one of the sort of men's batters that scores at whatever, 140 strike rate or whatever, a lot of that will be just sort of weird stuff spooning it in odd directions or whatever. And watching the women's game, there's so much, there's, there's so much more sort of rhythm and timing to it. So watching the way, you know, someone like Tammy muscles it and whatever, Tammy, listen to me, I've never met her. <laughs> or, you know, but um, Lauren Winfield-Taylor or whatever, goes out and opens and plays loads of sort of classical shots and scores at a beautiful rate. You know? Yeah, I think that's that's something that I've kind of always said to people who don't watch women's cricket is we're naturally not going to hit the ball as far as the guys. We're naturally not going to bowl as quick as the guys. So the game is quite different. We have to be smarter, I guess, with how we play cricket because we can't, we literally can't blow people out of the water. We don't have the pace or the power to do that. Don't get me wrong, I think it's getting there. In the women's game, I think there's probably a bit, is elegance the right word? I don't know. Touch, timing, there's probably a bit more of that. Um, but yeah, exactly what you said, Miles. It's, it's be- I think because that, Strength isn't naturally there, so we have to find a different way of playing the game. So, uh, Danny, Danny Wyatt, I mean, she, you know, she smacks big sixes, doesn't she? And Tammy, Tammy Beaumont, I must call her, I must remember that I'm a member of the public. And, <laughs> no, call her Tammy. Well, ta- Tammy, my mate Tammy, she, you know, <laughs> she does loft, loft it, doesn't she, and whacks it back over. There is, there is that style of play in there, but I think it's, I think there seems to be a little bit more diversity in styles in the women's game than there is in the, in the men's game at the moment. I mean, we're, you know, where, where are the Neil Fair brothers of tomorrow, Mark Wood? That's what I want to know. <laughs> no, I, think, look, I think it's a great point. And like, I would say the women a lot more, I would say, finesse than probably the men. And it, it times, especially if you look at 2020, but the test matches and, and things are very similar. The only, the only question I would have for Kate is sort of like the preparation kind of thing. So from when we've been here, our training's been slightly different. And I just wonder if the women do that going into tournaments or if you have like a bit of a break. So we've done more scenario-based stuff. We did it sort of the start of the training camp um, at Oman. And now that we're into it, you know, lads can do it if they want. Not something that we've really done before. We've done like things like where we'll have like an open net session and stuff, but never where to be so specific to, right, this is your plan. You turn up, we're not doing any sort of batting a ball and we're just doing this. And actually it puts you under pressure and it's sort of then when it's been come to the games, when we chat about it after, lads know what each other's doing and, um, what that thought process is so everybody's on the sort of same page I just wondered if you'd had done that as well it was fairly new to us but it, it seems to be working well yeah I'm a massive believer as well in whatever gives your players confidence get it done because yeah. if in that situation you're defending a six and it's the World Cup final and you've done that four times in training against Bairstow or whoever that is and you've got the confidence to know you can execute that then I think again I think that's invaluable um but there's so it's it's everyone always asks me how do you like recreate pressure in training and I'd say that's the most difficult thing to do, isn't it? There's there's nothing that can replicate going out and playing a game in front of twenty thousand people. Well, that's the thing. If you when you're in training, it's almost like if someone said, "Oh, you know, hit your yoga," you might hit it like you know four, five, six times out of six. Then it comes to the game and you miss it, and you're like, "Oh, well, I'm training." But it's just the pressure element. With uh, with regards to the Ashes, with you there, do you have the same rivalry with the girls, 
in terms of because you play a lot like big bashes and you play together in England. Is so it that same rivalry as what is perceived with the men? Probably less hostile. Um, you know, I don't think we're quite as brutal as you guys can be against each other. Um, but I do think that will probably creep into our game a little bit more with, you know, like the crowds going up. Because we've never really had the, the fan interaction either. Like you've got the Barmy Army going at the Aussie fans and stuff. So that we don't really quite have that in our game yet. Um, but it, there is massive rivalry there. That's our biggest you know, biggest tournament that we can play in other than a, a World Cup. Um, and it's the hardest thing that we play in as well. And that was, um, it started the multi-format series. So we only ever had one test match and that defined our ashes. And we never played test match cricket. So every two years you'd rock up, play a four-day game. No one knew how to play four-day cricket. You pick the red ball up for the first time. And that was our ashes. So they changed it to incorporate everything. So, you know, best team literally does win. Um, so you've got the three one-dayers, the test match and the three T20s. So it's like a point system. So I think that's brilliant because it incorporates the, probably where the women's game is at its strongest at the minute with white ball cricket. Um, but I want to play more test matches. I'm so jealous of the fact that you guys go and play five five matches. <laughs> well, it depends how it's gone. Across <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can, I, can I ask a question then to, to, to both, same question to both of you, like on, especially the blind date format. Um, but the... With the train, regards to training then, do you like to do it so that you, you've got all your training done so that when it gets to sort of crunch time and you're in the dressing room before, are you thinking, right, so in training I did this, 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 I need to remember that, 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 and that, and that, and that, and then I'm sorted? Or do you like to train to the point where all of that is just becomes innate and instinctive and you think, I've done the training so I can now park that and all I'm doing is walking out there and playing? Uh, question uh, first to Kate. <laughs> I I'm a massive feeler. Pardon? <laughs> yeah. In cricket, uh, let me specify. In cricket, I'm a big feeler. Um, so I just like my action to feel really good, feel really strong. So before games, I have like a set little routine. I could bowl a hundred balls. I could bowl six balls. But as long as my action feels good and strong, and I'm happy with the ground that we're playing at, and like the ends and how different the slopes are, whatever. Um, I'm pretty content because I'll have done all my skills work prior. Um, but also there's an element of cricket can just not go your way some days. You can practice and practice and nail your yorkers and nail your bounces and your slow balls. And just for some reason, one day it just won't go well. And I think you've got to have an acceptance of that as well. And in those moments, can you dip into, can you suddenly stop and think, right, what, what do we do that day or whatever? And just kind of put myself back in the mind mentally back where I was that day at Loughborough or whatever three months ago or whatever is that a helpful strategy yeah I think that's probably me when I'm at my worst actually I mean every bowler will tell you they'll have maybe three or four days in the career where it just clicks everything feels good you're not thinking about anything you're running in it's going where you want it to go well this is certainly me anyway I don't know what do you might have this every day um no, I agree agree but you, you then have like, well, I have little cues. If I know that, say, I'm bowling a little bit too wide of off stump, I know that my action's falling away. So I know I need to stay start stronger at the crease, stay taller, and then I'll start hitting my length and be bowling straighter. So you have little things that get you back to you being at your best. And uh, same same question to our lovely number two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, I agree with Crossy. Actually, I think... Um, I think when you're in the moment of the of the battle, you're in the battle. Um, so actually, you revert back to your training. It isn't like you're going out there thinking, right, I'm going to bowl six yorkers. I'm, you know, it might be just before the game, 
you might bowl a few slow balls, you try to hit the top of the stumps, you bowl a couple of yorkers just to get the feel off your fingers. But actually all the work that you've done is in the lead-ups when you're going out there, it's just you're in the battle and then when the pressure comes on, you'll revert to one of those skills. In your mind, you might be structuring an over of how you want it to go. But in 2020, it never happens like that. So you could bowl a, the perfect ball at the top of off stump and the lad whacks it over your head or he carts you through the offside. And then you're like, well, right, maybe I might have to think differently or, you know, do I try the double bluff and try the same thing again? So th- there's more elements to the game than just, um, right, I'm just going to, you know, I've done my York as a training, so I'm just going to bowl York as. Like, if, if people are listening and like, in terms of practice, you don't have to be so rigid where you just go to practice and you bowl a day of York as or, you know, a day of whatever. But having that in the bank will help if you if you turn up on a Saturday and you think that's what I need to dip into. Uh, now, is it time or would you super over? Uh, I think so. I think so. Do you know about this case? No, I don't. I'm nervous. So we've got questions. You don't have to. I just don't want you to think about it. I just want you to say the first thing that comes to your mind is what about seven or eight questions, and you're just going to say the first thing. We've got ninety seconds of clock mile stopwatch. Yeah, yeah. I've got the old uh, what's left of my Fitbit. Hang on. I, I think it's more than seven or eight questions, Mark. I don't think this is a strong enough briefing. <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon there could be as many as 12. But of course, when the clock runs out, the clock runs out. So yeah, don't, don't, don't think, just speak. Okay, okay. So, Kate Cross, are you ready? I am ready. Mark, what's over? Let's go. Make of your first cricket bat. GPS. Most random celebrity in your phone. Oh, God. Random. I've got Virat's number. Does that count? Oh, well, that's definitely up there. That's a massive one. <laughs> Favourite sandwich filling. Chicken teriyaki from Subway. Nice. Your club needs you. Will you score or umpire? Score any day of the week and I will do it so, so well. (laughs) (laughs) Name a song that's been stuck in your head recently. Oh, I had a really bad one in my head the other day. Um, It was a kid. Oh, the Sesame Street theme tune was in my head all day yesterday. Sunny days. Yeah. Miles, please, we're in the middle of a subway. Mike Gatton is coming to dinner. What will you cook to impress him? I reckon I could cook anything for him and he would love it, but I'll cook him a Sunday roast. Nice. Knocky nine doors, knock, knock, ginger, or knock and run? Knock a door run. Oh, different. If you were about to be a footballer and you are about to kick the ball at the stumps, whose name would you shout? Ronaldo, because he's in the press all the time. Top draw. And finally, you come out of bat, what guard are you asking for the umpire? <laughs> Middle, please. Yes, I nailed that last one. I knew she'd get that. I knew middle please up there, bang. Almost no one, almost no one ever says it. There was a, uh, yeah, centre probably. <laughs> but a barest of all margins, Kate Cross, bang, nailed it. I mean, the thing that the thing that I enjoyed the most in that was, I'll score any day of the week. I was really anal about it, and I was that person who had all the coloured pens, and I had a little um, like folder, a see-through folder, so that the boys, when they're eating chicken wings at half-time, wouldn't mess my book up. I was so <laughs> OCD with it. When they wanted to check the figures, I was like holding it for them so they couldn't mess it up. That's well class, that. What's that brand you said? P- P.S.? P.S., Peak Sport. You'll have heard of that one, mm. Woody. Yeah, I remember that one, yeah. Old school, Northwest like brand that everyone had yeah a lot of the lanks yeah a lot of the lanks players had them it was my brother's my brother's old bat and he chopped the handle for me very good You've, you answered a lot of questions in that time I'm sorry for, I'm sorry Mark and you were right to pull me up on my appalling but it's not the first time I've suddenly started singing the Sesame Street theme tune whilst I'm yeah but still that black doesn't come in in the middle of play dear does start shouting <laughs> things up you just spoil it there <laughs> <laughs> Um, Kate, it is absolutely brilliant to uh, have you on Middle Please Umpire. I've watched so much of you this summer and enjoyed it enormously. 
Um, thank you. Are you have fun out in Dubai. Are you commentating then? No, I'm. Um, I'm being a. Are you you and Keaton on holiday? Uh, could say that. We're doing a bit of corporate work with our sponsors, so I'm actually going home tomorrow, back to Loughborough. Um, have, a, have a have a have a delightful journey. Delightful journey. Thank, thank you so you. much for joining us, Kate. It's lovely to meet you in whatever this. No, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you, Crossy. Oh, that was fantastic. Yeah. I actually love watching her, and I I'm, really mean what I say. I just love the way she plays. With, I don't know, she just looks so happy out there. They all do. Fantastic. Not like you, Grumpy Lot. <laughs> no, I think she, the yes is hard as well, Like because I know that she's had up and downs that career. Like myself, she's been fantastic this year. Um, very skillful. Nips them both ways. If you watch, like, you know how they can do things on Sky and stuff where they'll do, like, in-depth stuff. With the, if you watch how skillful she is actually is with the ball, um, she, she never misses her length, nips them in, swings them away and nips them away. So she's got good skills on her as well. So it's not just like, this has just happened by accident. Just put in a good year because she's got the skills to back it up. I wish I'd had time to ask her about captaincy as well because that's, you know, quite just the unusualness, I suppose, in this in this day and age of the uh, uh, team being led by a bowler. Well, maybe the responsibility thing has helped her, has helped her you know, cricket as well. You can presumably ask her these questions at some sort of crisp function that you'll both be attending. <laughs> I think um, I was a little bit worried, actually, with the, the old crisp questions with t- Tyrrells. I was thinking, well, I didn't actually get to wear the Tyrrell shirt. You know, a, man, a man's reach must exceed his grasp, but what's a heaven for, in the words of... I'm, I'm giving them a disservice. These days will come. <laughs> um, brilliant. Well, thanks very much indeed for listening to this episode of Middle Please Umpire. Uh, as ever, please send uh, your stories or um, remarks, however tangential, to the um, to the email address that you will be given by um, former international cricketer. But for now, it's a goodbye from me, and it's a goodbye from me. Oh, should be taken and is taken. Brilliant from Markwood. What a spell this has been. For all the latest cricket betting markets, in-play odds and promotions, visit williamhill.com or download the free app. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly. William Hill, it's who you play with. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>